1: Purpose, they stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.
2: What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp. This is Fightful.com's Wednesday Night War review for April 22nd we have AEW and nxt to talk about i am joined by mr warren hayes you can see him every friday on the smackdown a post show podcast warren how you doing
3: i'm doing very well sean thank you for asking uh you know i gotta say one thing bless me wearing hat as part of uh, this hat as part of my gimmick because my 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 containment hair right now myself can uh, my self-isolation hair right now is ridiculous Uh, props to you, though, for keeping yours out there in the world, though.
2: Yeah, I went and got a cut. Oh, you did?
3: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah,
2: Yeah, um, very responsible of me, but I did it. Uh, I do not regret it. Thanks for putting me on the spot. Uh, just remember, invoice day is next week, or you can just forget (laughs) that altogether. I am joined by Alex Pawlowski, who I get the feeling has gotten significantly more haircuts than me during this period, And the focus should truly be on that.
4: It's true. Uh, I have, uh, this is also uh, true. I have never paid for a haircut in my life. Not once. You know what? Because my my mom cut it until I was in college. And then, like, I I shaved it for a roll. I liked the way it looked. And then when I tried to grow it out again, it was not there anymore. (laughs) So, So I just kept shaving it. So that's basically it.
2: Guys, leave a thumbs up, subscribe, tap that bell for notifications if you're watching on YouTube. But we are on podcast platforms everywhere. Also, if you're watching live on youtube.com/slash fightful, donate a super chat any amount, get your question or statement read on the air. And you know what? If you want to ask a whole mess of questions, I got a QA show that I'm filming on Thursday. All you got to do is subscribe to fightfulselect.com. You'll get lots of exclusive news. You'll get two Alex Sour Graps pods per week. Myself and Warren dropped our Ultimate Warrior vs. Hulk Hogan Retro Review this past, uh, I think it was yesterday, we dropped it. So there's lots of great stuff over there. The Weekender Show, my Q&A show every week, the Backstage Report Show. I mean, my God, you will never get a better value for premium wrestling content than what we give you. So check that out. But hey, like I said, you can donate a Super Chat. Uh, If you want your question or statement read on the air tonight, Alex, NXT or AEW tonight? Who won?
4: AEW.
3: Warren, how about you? Really? I'd say NXT. Ooh, it's down to me, huh?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. It's
2: down to me. This will determine which fan base angrily tweets me as if this matters at all. We're going to get started with NXT tonight. Ooh. now we got a super chat from lake thunder lock who said is drake maverick being fired a work to promote the cruiserweight tournament no it is not a work um it it isn't a work i don't know what else to tell you guys this isn't this isn't that uh kevin langoff says i know raw is missing some star power so enjoying the unused talent on these shows let's go drake man drake has a groundswell of support now alex Yes,
4: he does. Um, there was, I mean, undeniably the, the raw, true emotion of his uh, statement he released right after being let go, um, like garnered him a lot of support, a lot of sympathy, a lot of empathy from a lot of people who were also going through similar things at this time, not knowing, you know, when their next paycheck was going to come, trying to figure out how am I going to put food on the table, all that kind of stuff. Now again, he keeps saying. That's not me. I'm not in that position, so don't feel sorry for me. Mm -hmm. But I can relate to a lot of these people in that way. And it was a real, authentic groundswell of goodwill generated for this guy in this situation. And I hope it's not the case, but it sure looks like it's possible that WWE said, let's capitalize on that, have it book him to lose three matches anyway, and then fire him at the end of it like we were going to at the, originally, and that to me seems really heartless. It, it if seems that's what really it.
2: TNA, because remember when TNA had the AJ Styles thing, and he was yeah. off TV but the champion, mm-hmm. and everybody was like, oh, surely this is just an angle. This is just an angle. And yeah. then he showed up, and then he lost to Nick Aldis and hit the bricks. <laughs> it's
3: mm-hmm. like,
2: okay, that's
3: wild. Uh Joseph, it, it, Far- it, go ahead. Just real quick, it's it's to me it's, it's interesting because – Spud has always been over, right? Like, when, when he was rock star Spud, he was over. And he was a guy who could always get himself over. This, And when he was involved in the 24-7 stuff, what did he do? He got himself over. Drake Maverick has always taken every opportunity that's been given to him and got himself over. So it's just a question of giving him an opportunity, creative, giving him an opportunity to do something, and he'll just – elicit that feeling that emotion that you'll want to cheer or root or or sneer at the guy regardless but he will get himself over so if anything this is going to boost him for his indie career or wherever he ends up afterwards
2: reminder guys we will get to your super chat questions as they uh, as we get to those talking points on the show and uh we have a lot of them already big thank you to tim traver who sends a monster super chat thank you so much he says uh I want to personally say thanks for uh, giving the or the new format on retro reviews, SRS and Warren. The retro reviews on wrestlings that I do are now the same thing uh, with movies. Uh, keep up the great work. Hey, I hope it works for you. I think that's awesome. I love our new retro f- review format. Like I, I'm already cooking up June's, which will probably be Sting and Luger. Like I'm I'm real excited about that. This month was Hogan and Warrior. Next month is RVD versus Jerry Lynn. Really, really digging though. So, uh, Tim, I'm glad that you enjoy that. Uh, thank you so much. Throwback. I see your super chats as well, and I will get to them as uh, we go along. <laughs> the line drive says, "Looks like Alex just got his Hunter of Heels character. It's just Dexter Loomis instead of Killer <laughs> Cross." Yep. I can't wait to get to that because yep. I have some unique insight on that. But uh, the Night Show. Opens up with a recap of last week, and we were supposed to see Velveteen Dream and Finn Balor, but we didn't yep and i don't I don't like that. I thought this nope. was a big takeover style match, Alex, we didn't get it,
4: yeah, we didn't I mean it's obviously they're they're using it to further an angle, though what I'm not sure I mean Finn not being like oh, Finn got knocked out in the locker room and beat down and nobody saw who did it, I wonder who it is, is a lot different to me than he disappeared. Like, that's completely different. So at least that's new and unique in some way. But again, a bait-and-switch in this particular case, when, I mean, again, I I don't know what kind of ratings bump anything gets anymore for, for anything, but the idea that for what it's worth... Felveteen Dream versus Finn Balor in a one-on-one match on NXT. If you heard about that over the week and you were interested in that at all, and the only reason you tuned into NXT this week is because of that match and you didn't get it, well, that sucks for you. And I totally get that.
2: We get a Super Chat saying, is Alex always cold? He lives in Milwaukee. <laughs> yes, he is. I do. I do. Uh,
4: listen, uh, this is actually a good thing. Like, if we had the the, the quarantine... And it was like 70 degrees, like a really nice April, and my daughter is wanting to get out and go to the park all the time. I don't know what we do, but I'll, but now she goes outside and the wind kicks up and she goes right – to want to go right back inside. It is cold <laughs> in Milwaukee right now.
2: I, I took a couple questions for my really vague podcast on SRS Wrestling, and they're like, what are you doing to pass the time? And I said, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm walking outside. I'm going – and then walking right back inside (laughs) that's what i'm doing a lot more of these days that that chris verano says just subscribe to select love you fightful. hey thank you so much i truly appreciate that joseph farley says Ushan, i'm telling andy Bashir on you uh he will call me out by name if he hears that i got a haircut i took uh extreme precautions though uh just just to just to specify Dante V says, whenever you guys touch your faces, I yell, stop doing that at the TV. It's more stressful than a Naya buckle bomb. I'm not going to give myself COVID by touching my face, am I?
4: Well, I mean, it depends on what you've been touching before you touch your face. Yeah. I haven't been outside. like I haven't been further away from my house than my own driveway in a month. There so I'm go. good. I'm
2: good. There you go. I definitely didn't go get my hair cut, so I am low risk
1: <laughs> right now. Brendan
2: Borges, Borges says, why does Alex dislike Ziggler so much?
4: I, I just, I'm just, i just tired of the the douche character that he plays. Yeah.
2: Like, he's douchier than a box
4: of Summer's Eve. That's how douchey that guy is. Damn.
2: Damn, deep cut. So, we see Velveteen Dream cut a promo and he's interrupted by Adam Cole. Uh, Adam says that Dream is behind Finn's disappearance, and then there's a an attack from Undisputed Era. Keith Lee makes the save. But then we go into Shotzi, Blackheart, and Tegan Knox dropping a match to Dakota and Raquel. I gotta admit, I thought Dakota and Raquel were going to lose again. <laughs> I thought they were going to lose again, but pleasantly surprised that they didn't. Uh, Shotzi, I love the tank entrance. I'm always going to love that tank entrance that works for her. Uh, but I think this is right. Shotzi taking the pin. Tegan doesn't need to. Tegan's got bigger things in store, I think, in the immediate future, which probably means she's not going to win the women's title and then go back to 50-50 in a couple months. Alex, yeah. your thoughts?
4: Uh, I, I like that uh, uh, Raquel, uh, formerly Reyna, uh, got the pin. And I love that. Like, like I'm just going to hoist you way up in the air and slam you down in the back of your head. Like, it just, it, it just looks like she's she's so much bigger than some of the women that she's in the ring with. So mm-hmm. I like the idea that as long as she can be safe with it, because we had somebody mention a Jack's Jax buckle bomb, the other from the other night that did not look very safe. As long as um, Raquel can be safe with it, the, the opportunity for her to just chuck women across the, all through all over the ring, like allows her to be something completely different. And I think, that that finish, whatever that is, is great. It just it just looks like it just knocks the wind out of them, knocks them out. Perfect. And I like that she got it over over Dakota. She needs it. Me
2: too. I I like it as well. Um, I think it fits. It fits fine. I'll tell you what was odd to me. So <laughs> admittedly, when the Jake Atlas package started up, I had it on mute and I was like, "This is a really long eyeglass commercial that's going <laughs> on right now." <laughs> I was like, Lens Crafters is really leaning into into this, the advertising heavy here. And then I'm like, oh shit, that's Jake Atlas. Of course. Uh, well, he and Drake, Jake, uh, Drake Maverick had an absolutely fire match. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And Throwaway says, how cool it would, would it be if Drake won the title in the tournament? pulled a CM Punk, took the title to another promotion. It won't happen, <laughs> but it'd be cool no. if it did. I'm pulling for him to win and force WWE to admit their mistake, bring back Drake and Logan. I agree, and I agree on the basis that it will get Jordan Devlin over as a heel more when he's yep. like, you don't even work here anymore. Yep. He's like, And, and when he's like, I'm going to make sure you don't work here anymore when I unify those titles. Yeah. It seems like a slam dunk to capitalize on this. Oh, it, it
4: certainly does. I mean, if they're going to capitalize on it, then, then capitalize on it. Like, um, they, they showed that um, amazing video package, including uh, part of his uh, address to the fans, and then him, like, like being solitary on a bridge somewhere. And, and him, like, his interview, like, like, no, I understand. Like, don't feel sorry for me, but I'm going to show what I can do. This is my livelihood right here. And at that moment, if you're, after watching that, if you're not pulling... For Drake Maverick to somehow win this whole tournament, that I don't even know who you are. You know what I mean? So, um, this match was great because it showed Maverick like doing everything he possibly could with, to be honest, very little impactful offensive moves, just evading stuff, throwing drop kicks. Like kicks to the shins, like a single leg takedown, all this stuff, using deviousness, trying to in any way he possibly could to win this match. And all Jake Hadlas had to do was hit him with one super <laughs> athletic, high-impact maneuver, and he was done. So And uh, that's the thing is, I, I love that finish, but Drake's got to do something with this. Otherwise, it just seems cruel to keep him around.
2: Well, I I agree with you. I don't know if there's much more that can be said about that, but uh, what we can do is talk about that goddamn DDT. Yeah, uh, Warren, did you see that? I know, I, I didn't yep. get to see a ton of Jake Atlas before WWE, admittedly, because <clears throat> uh, that's really just when a lot of cable TV had stepped up. I didn't have time, but he does what he called the LGB DDT on the indie circuit. Holy shit, Warren! It's a yep. cartwheel DDT. Out of the corner while using the ropes—it's amazing. Yeah,
3: it's it's a spectacular move. I, I mean, I was I was actually watching the match. Don't remember exactly what was going. Maybe there was a commercial on the other show, but I I saw that like I turned just in time for it, and it's fantastic. And if you're going to be taken out by one move, might as well be that kind of one move. Plus, it's a move that you can easily protect right like as far as the finisher goes because it's already super credible because it looks like a million bucks and you feel like it can murder someone it's a very easy one to just set aside and like no one's kicking out of that until we say so
2: yeah i i love this match it was good it was emotional i dig it and i think that whatever the maximum number of losses that drake maverick can take he should take and then run the table to get the win that's how I think it should be. Right. Well, that's the whole
4: thing is that it's a round robin tournament. He's yes. got three matches, and if he's he's got he's got to face Tony Nese and Kushida. Mm-hmm. So he's got to win. He's got to win those two matches to win the tournament. Provided that Kushida also takes a second loss somewhere in there. Yeah. Like. Uh, the, well, then, and, and he can always do he can always Allen, do you
2: know? draws and double countouts as well. Like, it's there's possible. Yeah. There's ways to get around that. Uh, ah, man, I, it's it's a, such a ready-made story, and it's a really good story. Uh, we get Kashida versus Tony Nese next. Kushida defeats Tony Nese. I had tweeted during this. A lot of people were confused. I put that I want them to ban the closed fist punch, and the reason is when Kashida does one, I want that to be more special. When he balls his fist up and baseball throws his hand into somebody's face, I want it to mean more, and a lot of people are like, oh, well, what does it matter? Well, They were banned well before UFC was a thing, and now everybody sees, oh, Jose Aldo can get knocked out after being the best featherweight of all time when Conor McGregor just goes, bink. Like, people can get hit, knocked out moving backwards, but you don't see that in WWE. You never see anybody get marked up. You never see anybody break their hand. It's one of the fakest moves there is, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to use knife-edge chops and forearms and a lot of elbows for range purposes, for effectiveness purposes. That's why I'm like, hey, just make them open it up a little bit. It's such a simple thing. And somebody said, oh, well, would Roman Reigns do a Superman backfist? And I'm like, no, that's not not it is. People used to throw punches like this all the time in WWE. Just open it up a little bit. I did like this match. Uh, Alex, what do you think?
4: I mean, this this is really good storytelling. I mean, Tony Nese, they ha- they made a good point, and I forgot about this. Tony Nice never got pinned to lose the cruiserweight title. Mm-hmm. He, was in a, he was in a triple threat match and Gulak pinned Tozawa, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like so, so Nice, like can say like I have as much claim to getting that thing back as anybody because nobody ever pinned me for it when I was the champion last year. I think that's kind of cool, and I love the the storyline within the match of Kushida knowing that his finisher is that Sagara- uh, that uh, the armbar. And he, um, he just working over the arm, working over the arm, working over the arm. And Tony Nese, whose, whose strength is his strength, his power as a cruiserweight. He's so built that he has all that. But if you take away that arm, he can't do all the things where he's just throwing guys around. So I think that that was really, really great. Kushida, to me, seems like the obvious favorite to win the tournament entirely. If only because you got a ready-made, amazing match between him and Jordan Devlin down the line. But so I'd like to see what other alternatives they present. Um, but yeah, Tony Neese, I've always been a fan of his. His work. I saw him actually in a in an uh, indie match. What after, right after he got signed to WWE, and he was great. It was him and Matt Cross. So mm-hmm. I mean, I really like this guy. Um, and I think that they kind of just cast him off after he lost the, the cruiserweight title. When again, he never really lost it.
3: Nice was one of the workhorses in that really awesome era of 205 Live when you had Mustafa Ali and yeah. Cedric and yeah. Brody. And he he was right under the radar, but always so consistent and just pulling out little things like he did tonight. There was this one moment where uh, uh, Kushida goes to uh, cartwheel off the ropes and Nice is just fast enough to come and trip him up, like l- lift the arm, slide under the ropes to lift the arm. Yeah, I like it when wrestlers break up the tropes like that and just keep us on right. our toes. It was a small thing, but you're like, my God, I like Tony Nese. I always did.
2: So up next, we see a series of video packages. Uh, we see an interview with Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher. Uh, we see Killer Cross and Scarlett Bordeaux. Killer Cross, who is now carrying Cross. I'll have some news on that name on Fightful Select this week. So subscribe. I'm gonna. I was able to find out where it came from, who pitched it. All that good stuff. We also see an EO Shirai promo. All these were pretty good. But god damn, this Johnny Gargano and Candice vignette blew me out of the water, Alex. Yeah. This is one of the best things I've ever seen either of them do. It <clears throat> might be the best thing I've seen Candice do. And I've seen Candice do a lot of really good shit. Yeah, This was incredible character work. And yep. again, all due respect to Matt Riddle, who I am trying to publicly guilt into giving me an interview. <laughs> all due respect to Timothy Thatcher, Killer Cross, Scarlet Bordeaux, Bordeaux who are going to be great acts. Io Shirai, but this Johnny and Candace thing was stupendous.
4: It it really was, um, mostly because you you hear them talk and you can't argue with anything that they say. Yes, everything that they say. Is true. Like, I she mean, is- may- maybe not Johnny's perspective of, like, uh Johnny, say happy birthday to some little kid. Whatever. Okay, fine. <laughs> maybe not That's that so perspective. Corny. But the idea that, like, it was he who always had to do that stuff. Like, there was nobody else. They always came to me. And I always did it. And I didn't complain. No matter what was going on in my life, I was always that guy. And I always said yes. And what did it get me? Nowhere really. And the best thing about it is that is the Candace, the uh, Candace thing where she says, I've been overlooked December since I got here. The whole, like she was her entire character for most of the first year she was there was Mrs. Gargano. That was it. She was just Johnny's wife. She didn't have anything to do. They didn't give her a lot of match time. And also being the big sister to everybody in the locker room. I love that uh, Johnny Gargano brings it up that not only was he betrayed by Tommaso Ciampa but they presented uh, um, Candice and EO as best friends for, for a couple of months, and then EO turned on her. So, like, they, they're absolutely two halves of the same um, coin. It's perfect that, that both bad things happen to them in the same way. They can relate to each other in that way, and they said, you know what? No more. The one thing that I didn't think was funny is that WWE decides, okay, well, um, uh, Candice's moral center has completely corrupted and it's different now. So we should totally change her hair to periwinkle and give her some navy blue lipstick just so you know she's a heel. Of course they didn't change anything about Johnny. They didn't shave his head or anything, but the woman has to be totally different in order to sub you know signify
2: that. I love the undertones of Candace being the Candace eating first and they're at the dinner table. Yeah. That's that's good stuff. That she was the big sister to everybody and nobody helped her. This is yeah. really good, Warren. Did you get a chance to see this?
3: Yeah, I did, uh, and I thought it was really cool too. Couldn't help but while watching it. And look, first and foremost, I've I've said this dozens of times. Whether it was for Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens, there is no better heel than a heel who is right. That's just as simple as that. A heel who says things and that you agree with it just make it it bothers you more. So I think it's fantastic. And as I was watching this, I was like, you know when they were cutting like to this distorted smoky version, when they started going off track a little and being like, like you guys said, corrupted, you know, it kind of felt like, you know, I was like, you know, Candace and, and Johnny, they, they read a lot of comic books. Oh, this yeah. is like, this is like Eddie Brock being taken over by the, yes. by by the symbiote, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what I thought. That's what but it is. It was good. It was really good. And I can, my God, my God, I say this every week. I get a chance to say, here at Warren Hayes HQ, we stand, Candace Lorraine and there are reasons for that. If they want to let her be heel and aggressive and vicious, we are in for a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in for a treat.
2: Uh, throwback says, uh, what do you think Candace's role is in all this with Gargano's balls cupped framed? Uh, <laughs> do you think that Dom's tweet could uh, be the setup for Johnny's next feud? That'd be an interesting one. I I don't really know where he goes from here. I don't know where Johnny Gargano's next feud sets up. And it's like, to me, Dom, Lee, Killian, and Damian Priest are all in that carousel with the only one that stayed over is Keith Lee. So I don't know if you'd want to go from Gargano or Gargano over to Dominic Dijakovic.
3: I I think what you need to do with Gargano at this point is establish him as – a proper heel, like n- not a tweener thing. That a proper heel, and I think one of the good ways to do it is go after the new young baby faces that have entered. You know, the guys who came in at the uh, that tournament that they had last year, whacking and Wild, and just have him mow through these up and comers, these bright-eyed kids that uh, he'd probably want to give him a. If he were still babyface, Johnny would give him a. Give. We'd like to give him a chance in the ring, but here he just wants to mow them down and destroy them. He wants you know, to rebuild NXT in his image. He's in Candice's image, right? So uh, get rid uh, get rid of the up and comers. Make sure they know what what their place is on the on the on the uh, on the totem pole, the feeding area.
4: Yeah, I I I think actually a, a perfect uh, first partner for that would be, depending on where he finishes in the tournament, would be Jake Atlas. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be perfect. Like you think you're coming in here with your Warby Parker ads and everything? Like no 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 no. <laughs> You, but this. Listen, let me teach you a few things, young buck. I think I think it'd be great.
2: Mia Yim defeated at Jesse Kamiya. I did not like this match. Um, I thought that a lot of the spots, like it seems like they went back to oh, sidestep, hit the ropes, sidestep, hit the ropes, do this, do that. Way too much. And mm-hmm. Mia Yim is not a a speedy competitor. And I see that that spot being relied on a lot. Like, I notice it when she does her suicide dives and she hits the ropes, and I see it, and I'm like, she could have just leaned out and pulled herself out of the ropes and done, like, the same speed. I I mean, I've seen her be a fantastic performer, but this series of spots doesn't quite do it for me. Uh, Charlotte Flair comes out and challenges Mia Yim to a match for some reason. I don't know why they're doing the Mia Yim... Charlotte thing when Io has gained a title shot, Alex?
4: So, um, I thought they were doing a thing like, oops, um, we made Io Shirai the number one contender, and there's something wrong with her visa or whatever. some yeah. Something behind the scenes that she wasn't allowed to compete for a while, so they had to like move it over to some, some Mia Yim. But they had a whole promo tonight about how Io Shirai can't wait to get her title shot versus uh, Charlotte. Like That was a whole promo about that. And then they had this segment where Mia Yim is, is presented as a super awesome baby face. Look at her, plucky, dodging things and hitting her finisher and wow. And then Charlotte comes down the ring and calls her a good hand, which of course is code for the worst insult you can tell to another wrestler. Oh and, God, I brought um, it up
2: on a Shane Helms podcast and he went yeah. off.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> um. So... So then Mia's like, okay, that's weird because I just complimented you and had, like, how it's awesome, how much you've grown in five years and all this kind of stuff. That was really cool. But it seems to be like they are also saying on commentary, Io Shirai gets the first title shot somewhere down the line. Mia Yim gets the first match versus Charlotte, which I guess is a non-title match. So, great for (laughs) Mia Yim. She gets a non-title match, like... Hooray! I don't understand where that's how that's a great thing, and and it seems to be to be set up that like Charlotte's going to embarrass Mia Yim. Like that's the whole point of it, what they're seem to be doing to lean up to this point. And I guess Io Shirai runs into the rescue and gets her title match later. It's it's weird, especially since since Charlotte's already actually had matches as the NXT champion on Raw of all places versus Caden Carter. So. It's not like even Mia Yim gets the first match versus Charlotte when Charlotte is the NXT champion. She would just get the first match versus Charlotte as NXT champion on NXT. Which is, again, even a worse thing than just a random non-title match. It's so odd.
2: And, and yeah, I, I get that Mia Yim was Charlotte's first NXT opponent. That's the, the basis of this. But to me, like, I feel like that should have been maybe it wasn't hammered home enough early on because, like, like, Charlotte's been talking about Mia Yim for a couple of weeks now, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know why. I just... Why, why didn't she declare that she wanted that before they established the contender? I don't know. Uh,
4: again, if if, if Io Shirai had not won a ladder match in which Mia Yim exactly. also competed mm-hmm. and lost to be number one contender, then I wouldn't have a problem with any of this. It's just Charlotte choosing her own first contender that's fine but you established here's a match mia yim is in it she lost it somebody else won it that person is the number one contender and they don't get the first match that doesn't make any sense it's needlessly convoluted
2: yeah i would just exclude mia from the ladder match pretty simple then then she could say well i didn't get my shot i want to prove i can get one if she loses she loses there you go Chelsea Green and Robert Stone video package. But then we go to Jack Gallagher getting defeated by El Hijo del Fantasma. After this match, as Hannah Moore says, about to have a Dark Side of the Ring episode in the NXT parking lot. (laughs) There's an attempted abduction. So I'm like, walk in pairs, guys.
1: Please.
4: (laughs) Buddy system in the parking lot. Yeah. Never leave the PC without your buddy.
2: This is getting a little a little scary out here, but phantasma fights them off. Interesting yeah. enough, yeah. What Would you think yeah, of the match in the spot? He says
4: you he says you can't do that to me. I'm from Mexico, which is a weird thing to say because I'm pretty sure Raul Mendoza is from Mexico too. Um, but it's weird. Anyway, um, the match is fine. Um, he is Jack Ellaher with 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 uh, with the fashion uh, statement as 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 you said, Warren. He wears a, a, a fur fringed cloak to the ring, takes it off to reveal half leopard print trunks, which is like he's like something from Game of Thrones and also like Tarzan, King of the Apes. It's a weird I don't I don't understand it. But Eos del Fantasma, because sadly, he's not King Cuerno. Um because that guy when he comes to the ring with a damn deer carcass on his head looks way more intimidating than you know, Jorge Bale with his you know locks flowing out the back of his mask and he's wearing a cape and he's all in purple. It doesn't look nearly as badass, but I think that's part of the ruse because after he beats uh, uh, Gallagher, by the way, in the match, he did pull out his Arrow from the Depths of Hell suicide dive, mm-hmm. which is better than 90% of all the dives in WWE. True. Um, and when he's attacked and he fights them off, he's just throwing you off the scent. Everybody thought it was going to be King Cuerno who was behind the whole thing. So he knows he's got to throw you off the scent. It's like 25 minutes into an episode of Law & Order where the guy says, oh, well, everybody thinks it's me. I've got to set up something so they think it's not me. And then they'll come back and arrest the, the real guy by the end. So watch out.
2: J.J. Lee King says, Cuerno's mob boss Lucha ain't no chump. He fears no parking lot hmm There we go. There we go. Uh, throwback also said, Should they move away from Keith Lee and Damian Priest and give someone else a shot at Lee and who? My, my, yeah. They should have months ago. I am so over the sirloin beef sons of bitches carousel. I want something different. I, any ideas, Alex?
4: Uh, n- no. It's a, it's a weird thing. Like, if they're not going to do it now, if, like, he's not going to win this match next week, then... I feel like you shouldn't have brought him back into it after he lost yes. the triple threat, because it's just going to further damage him. Like I, I'm, I'm cool with the nightstick attack and everything. That seems to be a kind of a cool move for him to have, whatever. But like, if it doesn't actually lead to him becoming the champion, then it's it just makes him look like a chump.
2: Well, Keith Lee was taken out of a tag team match that got set up. It was Velveteen Dream and Keith Lee. Against the Undisputed Era's Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. But Rob Wilkins says, Dexter Loomis looks at his opponents the way I look at a Baconator. <laughs> and Dexter Loomis getting that sustained push by yeah. the looks of it.
4: Yeah, uh, I have an impression, you guys. This is uh, Dexter Loomis uh, waiting for a hot tag.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: like that's awesome. As soon as he got up on the on the on the on, on the corner and was sitting there, and as, then
0: he realized
4: Okay, it's time for the hot tag, and he just calmly places his hand out and doesn't even really reach for it. Perfect. His commitment to character work is inspiring. Like, I, I have no idea how deep it is and what other things he can do. Like, if you ask him to play a completely different kind of character, could he do it? If this thing somehow does not get over or they lose faith in it, does he have anything else he can do? I don't know, but I don't care. Right now, this is amazing. Awesome. I can't wait to see where, where he goes from here. It's all fantastic. I just love the idea of Velvet Train Dream going, Hey, cool, a dude weirder than me. I'll tag you in. Like, that's excellent. I'm I'm all for it. Three
2: weeks, and he's over. I'm ready for mm-hmm. it. I mean, we assume he's over. I can't hear a crowd, but based yeah. on our reactions, he's over. We're we're the audience they're playing to right now, and we all like him. (laughs) And last week, he was the most talked about thing in our Super Chats. So, I mean, like, it's going good. Velveteen Dream gets the win with Purple Rainmaker, stares at Dexter Loomis outside, which I love. I want shades of gray here. I want some elements of—I want want some conflict between these characters within themselves, even. And I like that. Uh, Warren, uh, any thoughts on Dexter?
3: Yeah, I like, I, I, I particularly like the fact that you said Shades of Grey, maybe even 50 of them. I think, oh. I think there would be a really interesting dynamic there. Just some very bizarre tension between Dream and Loomis that could lead to some very uncomfortable, wonderfully uncomfortable situations. I'd, I'd be 100% for that. Um, and uh you know, and I like the idea uh I, I like the idea that uh Loomis is like, yeah, you know what, I'm just gonna take out whatever jerks are around here. And maybe that's something that Johnny Gargano could look forward to down the line. Uh Dexter Loomis Johnny Gargano feud kinda makes sense in this situation here. Hannah
2: Moore says going off the air with the sound bite from Tom Phillips. Adam Cole has pinned the NXT champion. Adam Cole. Oh boy. <laughs> James O'Rourke, thank you for the monster super chat. He says, I was bored this week. Can't really give a clear winner between the two. However, if I had to choose, it would shocker be AEW. Mainly because the show seemed to get my attention more than NXT did. P.S. I have my two TVs side by side and found myself focused on AEW more tonight. I liked both of them. I Mm -hmm. think they are both making chicken salad out of chicken shit with this situation. And I will keep bringing you all back to the phrase that Triple H used often ahead of WrestleMania. There are going to be aspects of the wrestling world that change forever because of what we're going through now. Whether it be promos in person, promos in front of an empty crowd, promos towards the camera, cinematic matches, stuff like the Bubbly Bunch. Like, There's going to be a lot of stuff that change because of what we're going through now, and that's a good thing. That's a silver lining in what we're going through right now. Uh, Kevin Langhoff says, Calling it now. Gronk's first TD in Tampa. He gets pinned for the 24-7 title. Tampa's got a Super Bowl and then maybe Mania 38. Tampa is my neighbor. NFL will not allow that. Maybe in the locker room. Maybe on a post-show. I don't think it will happen. And I don't think Gronk would even consider letting it happen during a game. Because um, I I think there are a lot of legal implications at play right there, I don't. I don't. I mean, he doesn't want to end up like another Hall of Famer in Pete Rose, and only be eligible for the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> and if if you're like running like some kind of gimmick where an opponent or even a teammate does something like that, who knows? I I just think that there's. A lot of odd uh, gray areas there. Reminder, donate a Super Chat. Any amount, get your question or statement read on the air. I thank you guys for being so generous. You're helping me pay for all these reviews that Alex is doing of the Big Show Show. And that I appreciate
3: (laughs) (laughs) big time.
2: But AEW tonight, TNT title tournament. It started with a Cody uh, video package talking about the AEW TNT package. I thought it was a little... I thought the mentioning of our detractors will surely move the goalposts. I'm like, why even, why bring that up? Okay, you've got a unique name name title. We know the drill. You didn't want to name it a TV title, an intercontinental title, North American, United States. I'm okay with that. But I I didn't think they needed the over dramatic thing. Just maybe make it more about the title and the competitors than AEW versus the world.
3: Right, because if, if whatever the title is named, right, it'll it, it, it all depends on who wins it, how it's presented, how it's yeah. defended. That's that's all ultimately ultimately all that matters. You know, I I'm I I like Cody Rhodes, uh, and except for that five percent of the, that, there's a five percent of him that just goes overboard on stuff. And this was like the opening Bruce Wayne uh, setup was kind of that where he you know with these screens and sitting in his. Uh, Twitch streamer chair and watching everyone like, and then commenting on all the competitors and where do I stand in this? And the, You know, I get it. And and again, you know, they have time to fill. They have to create content. So good on them for trying stuff out. Not everything's going to stick. So I'm not going to sit here and say, this was the worst thing in the history of our business, because it wasn't. But this was a very Cody Rhodes-ish thing. And it goes into that little that little percentage of stuff where I'm like, Cody, it's a, it's a bit much. You could pull it back a bit, you know, kind of thing.
2: Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen. Darby ended up winning. To me, eventually, Sammy's going to have to start picking up some wins. Like, yeah. he, he can be the understudy for a while, but everybody sees he's going to be a big star. The thing is, we all also see that Darby Allen's probably going to be a star, but it seems like almost everybody's on board with Sammy at this point. Like, there are no more no more people that are holding out within within reason or sanity anymore. Warren, these two guys are so good, and Sammy is so good. He is going to be a
3: future main eventer in AEW. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, it, I have the impression that they all think he's bulletproof. You know, there you go, and and I don't think he quite is. Um, especially when you're when you're in a heel position look we, we talk we talk about this all the time when in, in regards to jungle boy and jurassic express and you can make a case for for gavar as well i'm not saying suddenly put him on a 20 match win streak that's not the point but he does have to start picking up the big wins he has to win on pay-per-view he has to win a tournament match uh that's what's missing from his re- repertoire the Chris Jericho, the sex gods tag team that they have going, that's gold for him. Are you kidding me? Just getting getting the rub from Chris Jericho being noticed. Hell, uh, 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 sorry, his, his I can't forget it. I can't remember his his real name, but Pineapple Pete right now is getting over just because of Jericho's snide commentary. It's going to work for a while, but it, he has to break out of that. Otherwise, like you said, he's just going to always be re- perceived as Jericho's second guy, and that'll be that. That being said, I am i I hope the Guevara-Allen well is one we go back to on occasion because I think this has the potential to be uh, one of these classic feuds in a first classic feud that AEW could create, homegrown, right? One that we could go back to that has history and that you know, uh well, they're going back to these two guys. We're going to get a great match. There's history. There's animosity that's been building over years. And it, like right now, Darby Allen has he's got the upper hand on Sammy. But what in five? What about in five years from now when they fight for like the the sixth time? Maybe maybe it's a rubber match that that we're down to look. There's there's a lot, a lot of great stuff between these two guys. They work well together. There's chemistry there. Uh, and I feel that they have a really long-term story or feud that they can carry on and flip on, uh, switch on, switch off at any given moment.
2: The ladder bump was awesome, and mm. the, the Eddie Guerrero comparisons keep happening. I, I see him as like that, that Eddie Guerrero that teamed with, with Art Bar. He's just looking for that one thing to make him – transform into a really hated heel and I think that's his wheelhouse. I think the heel area is is where he'll be best. But who knows, maybe he can land it and make it make it work as a babyface because AEW books babyfaces a whole lot better than WWE does and it's sure. not even close. Uh Matt Hardy appeared from the Hardy Combat got, Compound, easy for me to say. And says that these events must be documented. He talks about the uh, inner circle and how he's friends with the with the elite. I thought this was an okay way to keep him on TV. That's really all Matt needs to do to just – you need to re- be reminded, we got Matt Hardy. Here he is.
3: Right, because WWE is doing that these days, right? It's like, hey, remember, we have Jeff Hardy, <clears throat> the best Hardy. We have yeah. him, right? So, so so it's okay that they do that. Um, interesting interesting little dichotomy there, where they're like where they're like, yeah, we where they lean into the fact that Matt has this over the top personality, but then he switches over back into the mortal vessel, Matt Hardy, to actually talk to Chris Jericho like on a level that Jericho won't just like dismiss him because you're 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 nuts, man. It's like no, we're gonna talk about real things. We're gonna talk about real pro wrestling things between you and I, and and then he switches back. So. Um, I don't know how. Look, it all depends on how things are handled, right? And these are creative people, and I, and I have a lot more faith in AEW creative, uh, if only because they they try out ideas, they 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 push them to the point where they're working or they're not, and if they're not working, they'll either pivot or just scrap it all together and move on to other things. We have clear examples of 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 that. Um, the um, so I don't know. That being said, I just don't know about Matt Hardy flipping between broken Matt and regular Matt. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like uh, we're good with with broken Matt. Let's go all in on that. But, hey, maybe they have a plan for it. Maybe it'll work out. I'm We'll just give it time.
2: I'm good with what they went with because I don't think they can lean too much into the broken thing. Because they, they got away from a lot of their kooky angles, as they were. Uh, Kenny Omega defeated Allen Angel's. Man, I, I almost thought Alan Angels had this one, but Kenny Omega <laughs> defeated him. <laughs> this should have just been a match where Kenny Omega did cool moves for four or five minutes and beat his ass.
3: See, this is something that's starting to get on my nerves when it comes to Twitter, because I, you want your stars to act like stars at some point, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a couple of weeks ago when... Uh, uh, um, uh, Hikaru Shida had a match against uh, against uh, Jay and, um, and, and it was a competitive match and we don't know where this uh, chick came out of and it was like, uh, Kushida, uh, not Kushida excuse me, uh, Hikaru Shida should have just ran through her because she's the number one contender to the title But then, P- I, so I, I mentioned that on Twitter and people were like, oh well you know it's okay if they have competitive matches, these are your stars and Kenny Omega by God by god one of the absolute top 10 best wrestlers active right now in the world why is he having a five to six minute match with a trainee essentially no disrespect to uh, to mr engels angels whatever jericho was calling him uh Om- kenny omega is your star and we have Mr. Star Power, Kenny Omega, who's back, who's running through guys, who's having extraordinarily good matches on TV, on pay-per-view. He's just delivering it at, at, at every moment. He should have ran through the guy. He 100. really should have. And we because we don't need to see a competitive match with an under guy because we don't buy it. Oh, it elevates the other guy. Not necessarily. Your job is to elevate your stars and make them into bigger stars.
2: Fun fact, Alan Angels was the guy that threw the – drink at mjf uh way back on AEW, he's the one right. that had the awesome throw that, that hell hit, of an arm on him hit it got him signed so that's that's <laughs> there you go <laughs> there you go and before long he'll be in the dark order so yeah there you go highlight video of scorpio sky good stuff man they're just so good at doing this stuff and nxt has been too WWE and, and, and AEW have both maximized this type of stuff, and I really, really dig it. Uh, Scorpio Sky is going to be very, very good for them. This is, I mean, this is just a motivational story of him overcoming a back injury. It's well worth going out of your way to see. Up next, Orange Cassidy in action, defeating Jimmy Havoc. I truly have no interest in Jimmy Havoc. I don't know why. He does not do it for me.
3: It's not doing it for me. I'm uh, I'm completely with you, Sean. I'm just glad you let it in, and I have some moral support here because I really feel like everyone loves Jimmy Havoc, but I don't get it. I don't get it because I'm not a deathmatch guy. I and uh, different strokes for different folks, right? I just don't like death matches, and I don't have anyone who, uh, who I don't have anything against anyone who likes deathmatch uh, style matches. That's fine, I get it. But you know, I saw Anita stuff back in the '90s, and it completely turned me off. I have no interest in going back. And I understand that that's Jimmy Havoc's appeal. That's how he got his cult following. But in AEW, where you know, they like blood and guts, but yeah, maybe to not that extent. The stuff he did um, with Janella, I enjoyed.
2: I liked that stuff, but I think I liked it because Joey is so good at facial expressions and really yeah. maximizing all that stuff. Uh, I am an Orange Cassidy guy, and... He was great, as you would have thought, but I didn't mm-hmm. think it took him a little too long to get into to OC mode, and this match just wasn't for me. Uh, I mean, you've got, I mean, legitimately a crossover star, because you've got celebrities, actual honest-to-God celebrities, that tweet about Orange Cassidy. Katie Nolan was begging to have him on, on her show. Chris D'Elia was like, this is the dopest shit I've ever seen. So, you've got a special guy there, and I don't want AEW to fall into... Eventually, it'll be his time territory, because... you're doing that with a lot of people, Luchasaurus, Orange there's, Cassidy. There, there, there's,
4: there, like, even, even we're talking about Kenny Omega.
2: Like, like
4: ask anybody, like, no, really, really, honestly, rank AEW's guys. Mm-hmm. Kenny Omega is the top of everybody's list. I don't, I mean, like, he just is. He's one of the best wrestlers we've ever seen. And he's like middling around, taking a few minutes to beat Allen Angels. Like, like it's a, it's it's one of those weird things that they're 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 they need to figure out without corrupting the whole business. They need to push some of their top stars now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Then in a few months, pick another star and push them to the moon and do it. So we're not waiting around for Omega, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, all these people who are like middling around with, like, records of 10 and 13 Mm -hmm. when they put him up on the little thing. Okay, well, then push them. Do something with them.
2: I'm a tryhard, says, how didn't Aubrey see or hear those two running back and forth during that last spot? Why are refs so dumb in AEW and WWE? Lastly, loving the beard, Alex. I think that they should have certain personalities for these refs, Mm -hmm. where... Like, maybe Jericho angles to get uh, referee Rick Knox in there because he knows that Rick Knox doesn't really give a shit what happens. <laughs> and he's like, you can see him backstage, like, I do not want Aubrey because she will not let this shit fly. I want yeah, them yeah. to have individual personalities, especially when they are given so much personality in a match and Aubrey is a character in her own. And I agree, you, that's, that's something you learn early in wrestling. Don't bury the ref unless the spot specifically calls for it, or else there's no reason to respect them.
4: I've, uh, You and I, Sean, have talked about this for years. We've always wanted the refs to have a specific role that they fill. There's one guy that you know will eject people from ringside at the drop of a hat. Yes, Another guy who's like, meh. And you know that as viewers watching so you can wait for the spot where it happens. Like that should be a thing that they do, and uh, WWEs tries as hard as they can to downplay who the referees are, so we don't even know who they are. We only know John Cone because he's Nicholas's dad. Yeah. They fired Mike Chioda, who the like who's they've been there forever, and was the guy famous for like not knowing what a Money in the Bank briefcase was? <laughs> oh, it was
2: amazing! It was amazing. But oh, back then, amazing. back then you knew who the refs were: Earl Hebner, Teddy oh, Long, yeah. Mike mm-hmm. Chioda, Tim White. And that helped add to it. When you feel a personal connection with the refs, even on that level, it matters when something bad happens to them. You might feel bad for them when they get the wool pulled over their eyes. When Earl Hedner got yanked out by the collar by Triple H and said, reverse this decision when I lost the title to Chris Jericho or you're fired. Well, we felt that. And I feel like AEW and WWE should both do that as well. Well, I definitely feel for this next situation because we are living in tough times, obviously, and uh, times are even tougher. MJF has revealed that he has a life-threatening injury, and this is bad timing because there are not a lot of options in wrestling
3: right now, but he has a hangnail, Morin. I mean, I feel for the guy. I feel for the guy. What are you going to do? Are you... Are you going to go to an emergency ward these no. days? Are you going to risk no. it? Yeah. No. You know, you can't you can't just go sit there and wait to be treated cuz you know you know you're not going to be on a priority list cuz you're not you're not coughing, you're not So I hate this. I mean, it, it
2: is it we joked about the NXT parking lot thing earlier, but this is a future episode of Dark Side of the Ring. And it's unfortunate because he had such a bright future and now we may never see him wrestle. You're- Again. Here's
4: what I love, is that they actually have um, Dark Side of the Ring's narrator working for them. <laughs> so they could totally do Chris Jericho narrating oh my a God. whole story of MJF's hangnail, like when he first found out about it. Then he got the call from the doctor about the diagnosis. They They could do x-rays and stuff. It could be so good and they wouldn't even have to put darks in ring because you know it's jericho's voice who does yes that. they could just do like the music in the background and everything they could do it it could be so good i now i
3: need them to do this and and they could have clearly like you know when they do the 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 the, the, the silhouette in ring stuff they clearly could have like marco stunt bmj <laughs> <you know?
4: laughs> it'd be amazing <laughs> uh, no, no, no. MJF would pick Wardlow to be. Yes. Here. You know, because like, <laughs> he would be much, much bigger and stronger than he actually is.
2: That oh, thing. my God. They got to do this. <laughs> well, Wardlow whipped Lee Johnson's ass with an F10. Just heaved him around the ring. And I like this. I mm-hmm. don't know if Wardlow is actually any good. And I'm OK <laughs> with that. <laughs> Had they done this years ago with Kenzo Suzuki or Rene Dupree or Luther Reigns, maybe I would have eventually liked them. But they're doing it with Wardlow, and I'm like, all right, let's see how many times this guy can rotate
3: when you throw him in the air. Cool. I'm fine yeah, with that. I was fine with it, too. This See, this is the kind of match that, even though he's not a big man, this is the kind of match that you should have Kenny Omega running through. Maybe not flipping dudes around, but... You know, having having someone just be completely bereft of offense against you. This was good. And like you said, you know, the only match we saw Wardlow have was against Cody. It was okay. It was fine. Don't get me wrong. But uh, for the time being, this is really interesting. I dig it. We see a Dark Order promo uh, where a former Heisman
2: hopeful is talking to Brody Lee, who says he's not afraid of success. And he offers the person a, uh, a Dark ma- dark Order mask, which the person takes. And Lee says he is now a member of Dark Order. And then Brody Lee beats the living shit out of Justin Law. And I'm okay with this. I- Again, I am okay with their sirloin beef sons of bitches just slaughtering
3: people, Warren. I'm I'm cool with this. Absolutely. But I'm going to just add a little caveat here. Just as... Before uh, before the the well, last fall, keep it simple, Warren. Just last fall, the um we were seeing a lot of their smaller guys be being put in these uh fighting from under positions, right? Where they was like they have heart, they'll be able to make it. They're losing matches, but they're looking great. They were booking they were booking Darby like that. They were booking uh, uh well you could argue they still they're still booking Jungle Boy like that. Now they have big guys, much bigger guys. That are all booked the same way. They come in and they destroy people. This is the whole of Lance Archer's gimmick, right? Like this is, that's what we're supposed to believe when it comes to Lance Archer. He runs in, he destroys people, and he walks out. But that's what Wardlow does does as well. That's what Mr. Brody Lee does as well. Hell, you could even argue that that's what they had Jake Hager doing as well. So there's there needs to be a little a little variety there. I'm not saying that they all have to have competitive matches because then I'm contradicting my point, mm-hmm. m- my earlier point. But you know, the, uh, you do have to you have to spice things up a little. At the same time, they can't all be monsters among men.
2: They announced that uh, best friends or that best friends will take on uh, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian, <laughs> and I love that Trent was like. Do I want to fight Penelope Ford? Yes. yes. Can I legally fight Penelope Ford? No. So I will fight her boyfriend and also, for some reason, Jimmy Havoc.
3: <laughs> I love the self-awareness. The self-awareness of this promo. And then Chuck E.T., you know, having the chain, and was holding a chain, and then he wraps it around his neck. And it's it's the most unimpressive thing because Chuck T looks fairly better than I do with my shirt off. And that's fantastic. (laughs) The self-awareness of this promo was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. This is how silent Trent gets. You don't like him when, you won't like him when he's real silent. It was perfect.
2: And the thing I love about Chucky is he is the most aggressive wrestler like that maybe I've ever seen. Cause like when he pile drives somebody, I feel like he's like, if they get paralyzed, well, eh insurance for that <laughs> type of thing like he's so aggressive and i love it uh we see the bubbly bunch and they do a flim flam video which uh warren where do you stand on flim flam uh,
3: this is exactly what uh what flim flam feels like to me i mean that from whatever i see that's exactly it um, you know what
2: you know what i learned this week this is a mock of tiktok by the way Denise yeah. Salcedo has 150,000 TikTok followers. <laughs> Jesus, Denise.
3: Well, there you go. She
2: popped but, up but, in my People You May Know, and I was like, dang. <laughs> she, the, she told me she used to do it when it was like – it used to be like music or something. Yeah, I used to see the but, ads all the time.
3: And you'd sing. You'd, you'd sing. You'd do duets with people. Sure, you still uh, do that.
2: Still do that. Don't don't be ridiculous. I, okay. We see a lot of lead up to Dustin Rhodes and Kip Sabian, and I think it's real good. Dustin Rhodes has put his career on the line in this match, which you know led you to believe he wasn't gonna lose it, but that's okay. Because it was a main event and it's it's a tournament match, and Alex, you seem perturbed.
4: No, I'm just wondering, is it gonna put his his match his career on the line versus Lanch Archer? Because if that's the case well, that's a different story. Like, I, I feel like him putting a square on the line versus Kip, Kip Sabian, it's fair to say we're probably going to see Dustin Rhodes wrestle again. But if he puts it on the square on the line versus, like, if he says, if I lose at any point during this tournament, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then he faces Lance Archer, who basically murder hawks him, that gives Cody Rhodes even more reason mm-hmm. to try and beat Lance Archer, who already wants to murder Cody Rhodes. Like, that becomes a final that I could totally get behind but, I, I mean, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if there's – Dustin's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not putting my career on the line versus you because I'm going to lose to you.
2: Yeah. Like, that's a little different. Well, I like the match. Dustin Rhodes is as good as he's ever been, man. He's, mm-hmm. he's so good. You get Brandy involved as well, Penelope involved. And Brandy Rhodes is a really great manager. She is such a great manager that when they tried to make her an in-ring wrestler, I was like, man – I get that she wants to do that, and bless her if she wants to to give it a go, but she is so good as a manager. Mm -hmm. She added so much to the Cody Rhodes act when he Mm -hmm. was developing into a star, and let me tell you what I like. Cody Rhodes one with a goddamn Canadian Destroyer, or Dustin Rhodes one with one, rather. Praise. Praise. (laughs) And I liked his old finish, the old curtain call, the... Yeah, the old reverse suplex, but he won with the Canadian destroyer. Uh, Alex, are you aching to say something? It looks like.
4: No, no, I'm, 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 I'm saying like I, I liked AEW today more, mostly because I thought that Guevara and and Darby Allen match was fire, and I can't, mm-hmm. I mean, like both those guys are so great and so young. But hey, dude, Dustin Rhodes, I was just thinking about like his match with the Blacktop Bully in the back of that yeah. damn semi, which was <laughs> the 34 friggin' years ago. If he wants to go out at any point, he's earned it. Mm-hmm. He can retire whenever he wants. So if he wants to go out to Lance Archer in a couple of weeks, that's mm-hmm. fine with me. But otherwise, he looks great. He's doing it as good as he ever has at, like, whatever, 50-something. That's mm-hmm. amazing to me.
2: Yeah, he's incredible. Warren, what'd you think of this?
3: Um, I don't think I liked the match quite as much as you did. Uh, I appreciated the storytelling in the match more than than the action. I think... Um, I think Kip's inexperience was a little on display at some moments, Bam. which is fine. I think I think Dustin did his best to uh, to work with them, and th- don't get me wrong, I didn't dislike the match. I thought it was okay, and I thought the storytelling was on point. Love the fact that uh, that the match ended with a uh, Canadian Destroyer. Hell, not a lot of matches finished tonight with uh, with people's finishers. Uh, Kenny ended the match with a V trigger. Uh, um, uh, Darby ended the match with, um, well, his last supper, which I think is fantastic, but he can't, I, I, I'm all for Darby Allen having another finisher than the coffin drop, because he can't do the coffin drop indefinitely without destroying his body. He needs another finisher, so that's fine. Um, but, uh, coming back to, coming back to the dust, to Dustin and Kip, it was okay. It, it, it was, it, it was fine. Maybe not as, as exciting as, um, maybe some other people felt about it, but I mean, complete respect for for Dustin worked worked great Kip looked good as well it was what it was
2: Dustin Rhodes debuted in WCW in 1988 there were periods of his career where it looked like he had retired and was just like I'll be a road agent whatever bless the man bless all of you all for tuning in hope you all leave a thumbs up subscribe all that stuff if you also want to help us out head over to iTunes leave a nice review it helps us out a lot Had a bunch of interviews this week. Mike Bennett with probably one of the best interviews I've ever done. Uh, I'm really proud of that interview. Thank you for all the positive reception on it. Marino Tenaglia, AIW Tag Team Champion. That's another good interview. He's going to be a guy that you all want to watch. Second generation wrestler. And he he looks unlike anybody else that you've seen. If you haven't seen him before, YouTube some of his matches. He's very good. Uh, I've got the new season of making a finisher. Coming back next month, how about Rob Van Dam's Van Terminator? We're talking all about that. I also talked to Scotty Riggs about taking the first one. So uh, that's coming up as well. The uh, Indie Month continues. Next week we have AJ Gray. Then, uh, I think it's May, is ECW Month. We've got interviews with Just Incredible, Mikey Whipwreck, uh, all kinds of ECW wrestlers. Myself and Warren are doing a Jerry Lynn RVD Retro Review. It's good times over at Fightful. Alex, what the heck do you have going on?
4: I do uh, overly long Raw and SmackDown reviews. Somehow I clocked in a Raw review last night at 78 minutes i limit I had... my
2: two-person reviews yes. to 59 minutes over yeah. there
4: i i talk too much especially when they decide to do carpool karaoke with the damn viking oh, raiders boy. i have to i have to just yell about that for seven minutes straight anyway i do that twice a week and apparently now i review episodes of the big show show because <laughs> it's a quarantine time and i gotta fill my days somehow
2: I'm a tryhard, says, question for Sean Warren and Alex. I know this is random, but what's your opinion on Shane McMahon's punches and John Cena yelling spots? Be safe. I don't like John Cena yelling spots. I think it's ridiculous. Shane McMahon's punches would be a little bit better if he would coordinate them with somebody. They are (laughs) legitimately good technical punches. He trains with Phil Nurse, a a world-renowned kickboxing instructor. But they don't look good. Because he obviously hasn't worked with whoever it is to to sell them correctly. How do you all feel about those? Oh, same. I, I,
3: same. Same. But Shane, <laughs> Shane's punches I are all I that on purpose.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love that. Warren, what do you got going on?
3: Uh, tomorrow evening on uh, YouTube.com slash Hayes, 9 p.m. Eastern live. I do my weekly recap show over there. Why don't you head over, give a subscription, give a and come join me tomorrow evening, 9 p.m. Otherwise, I'll be back right here on Friday evening for the post-Smackdown show, which is always fun. Smackdown's been good for the past couple of yeah. weeks. Let's hope it keeps up.
2: Uh, we did the list in your boy today. We had the list goes on on Fightful Select. This weekend, I try to give you all at least one weekend show every single week. We had Alex doing a Firefly Funhouse deep dive. He reviewed the Big Show show this weekend. Part one of Fightful's Funniest Moments. And let me tell you, that title is very subjective, my friends. <laughs> so enjoy an hour and a half of my jokes and skits, because that's what you're getting. Uh, thank you all so much. We are likely streaming the, uh, investor call on Thursday. But then, it, it, I just want to warn you guys, don't try to contact me tomorrow night. I am going to be in a coma. Of joy after the Bengals draft Joe Burrow. So don't even approach me. Don't approach me. We're out.